0: We are In Between Sermon Series. If it's your first time here, my name is Chase. I get to serve as a lead pastor. And um, we are In Between Sermon Series, uh, which kind of like call standalones. Um, And um, this week, um, the title of the sermon is called Refreshed. Um, I want to praise. We'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. But I want to pray before we jump into that, as well as um, pray for our our offering as well. So, um, Father, thank you for how we get to worship you in the many different ways. uh, um, Because um, worship is about surrender, uh, the ways in which we can surrender and you be honored in it um, are numerous. And so, Lord, we continue to worship. We thank you for how you have um, provided for our homes, our households, our families. We thank you for how you've provided for us. And as we give, tithe, and offering, we do so out of um, sacrificial generosity. Lord, we do so uh, in gratitude, but also, Lord, we do so with the full anticipation that you will multiply that which we bring to you to do amazing and miraculous work with it, we trust you with that. We also thank you for this time that we get to dive into Scripture together. May our hearts be aligned with where you are. It's in Jesus' name, Amen. Um, I so confession. Um, I've I've i really really been in this last year leaning real heavily into confession, um, because of what it does for us as as a people, but I think it's important for us even now because we're talking about giving. Um, So uh, I am always nervous about preaching about giving because of this picture. I feel like (laughs) um, we have a popularized view of um, pastors talking about money, um, and it is money-hungry, like Christine and I have like combined a word mongry. <laughs> like, they're just just mongry. <laughs> um, they're money hungry people. Um, oftentimes, when we talk about giving in the church, it is around the time where the church needs to do something financially and or struggling financially and or um, it's tight and so we need to get the people to do stuff, so we're going to talk about giving, and that's not what this is. Um, I, the confession is I'm always nervous to talk about giving, but it's because I know that we live in a time in the church's history where there is a lot of, um, uh, what's the word, insecurity. Um, and lack of trust with pastors and money. Let's just be real. There's whole social media pages dedicated to what pastors are wearing (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, to basically say they're doing too much with the church's money. And um, so I I always come to this nervous. Um, This past Monday, um, generally speaking, the way a standalone sermon works, works. Tuesday morning, I get up and I start praying, Lord, what are we talking about on Sunday? Um, And this was the first thing that came to mind, and I immediately got like, okay, oh, all right. Maybe we can just talk about stewardship. (laughs) So I spent like the first half of the week like planning a sermon about stewardship because that feels like it feels better. (laughs) Um, and and then I was convicted halfway through the week because that's not what I said. <laughs> like, that's like Holy Spirit, that's not what I said. I said giving, <laughs> uh, and, um, and so I want you to know I come to this with some apprehension, but it's not because I don't believe what Scripture says about giving. It's not because I don't believe um, that it's a part of the culture of the kingdom of God for us to... Participate in ministry and participate in the culture that our Father has laid out for us through generous giving i i don't it's not that I believe that wholeheartedly I live that. Um, but I recognize that um, I'm not the only voice that speaks about giving. so pray for me. I want to actually I want us to be able to go sincerely with into this place. Um, so, this sensitivity isn't going to keep us from talking about it, though, and we're going to be in the whole chapter of 2 Corinthians, the whole chapter. Um, 2 Corinthians is, at the very least, a, you know, a letter, we know it's a letter written from Paul to the church of the Corinthians, um, but, or excuse me, the church of Corinth, but what we don't know is which letter this is, right? We don't know, it says second, right? I know some of you are like, that means it's the second letter quite (laughs) it's just the second one that shows up in here right like if you if you have a string of email correspondence with your boss but there's only two of them that are relevant for the whole team then you might have just those two emails that show up well this is what this is like there is a there's a string of correspondence between Paul and the church of Corinth and there were two that was that early church leaders thought, hmm, this is important for all of the church to know. So, we're going to name these ones 1st and 2nd Corinthians, <laughs> right? That's the best way for us to think about this. So we don't know in terms of like which letter this is, um, but we do know from both 1st Corinthians and 2nd Corinthians, it's very clear that this church, they have questions, and Paul has a relationship with them, and that should set up where, what we're talking about today. This is Paul speaking. He starts in verse 1. I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. So we're going to pause there for a second. Um, there's a number of different ways that we need to talk about giving before we jump all the way in. Paul is speaking specifically to the Corinthians about them giving financial gifts to the church in Jerusalem, right? There's some compelling reason, Which we don't fully understand all the details of that compelling reason, but it would be like just be like me saying to you, like, "Hey, there is a church in in uh, Namibia that really could use some help. Let's send them some funds." That's the same kind of situation that that we're talking about here. But when we talk about giving in its totality in Scripture, we have to go way back, Old Testament. Right? There is this idea of tithe that comes from the Old Testament. And this idea of tithe that comes from the Old Testament really has to do with two things. It has to do with making sure that people who, are, who do not have have food and making sure that the priests can eat. Some of you are like, what? Like, we, like, that's actually, ultimately, that's what happened with the food. Yes, it is something they offer to God. It's a part of their worship. But the priests didn't have land, and they didn't have sheep, and they didn't have cattle. Their primary responsibility was taking care of the temple and the people. So God made a way for them to be able to eat by being able to eat the offering that people would bring as they're saying, God, you have been so faithful in providing for us. We want to offer this to you. Those priests would have the hamburgers right? That's basically, that's how that works. I know that for some of us that made that feel very unholy, but I want us to be real about the fact that there is, the holy part of giving is your sacrifice. The other part is just practical. It's normal. It's just every day, right? That continues throughout all the Old Testament, even into the New Testament. It's this idea that ministry has to happen, And it's a very practical thing. So when we transition from burning up grain and burning up beef to giving of our finances, it's the exact same heart behind that. As I trust God's faithfulness in in providing for me, I can surrender this. I don't have to feel this sense of... um, Uh, depravity, and I don't have to feel this sense that I might not have enough because I can trust God, and so I'll give this and make sure that those who don't have anything and those who are also in ministry for us as a whole, it continues to function, right? That's the practical side of that. So Paul is, that's something that they would have already known, so I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving. They already have this as a foundation. But he starts to talk about it with them anyway. In verse 2, he says, "For I know how eager you are to help. I have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia to give you in Greece." Uh, excuse me, that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. I mean, they he's telling them they already prepped this a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. Pause. That should bring one thought to our minds immediately. My enthusiastic generosity encourages others to give generously. And that's just how that works. My enthusiastic generosity encourages others to give generously. Generously. Proverbs is a wealth of knowledge as it relates to giving and the, and the concept of generosity in Scripture. If you want to understand God's heart about what we do with our finances, read Proverbs. It's, the whole book is littered with how that functions. So we're actually going to read a portion of Scripture in Proverbs in just a little bit. But this idea of generosity is not something that is just new to the, to the Corinthians. It's not new in Macedonia. It's not new in Jerusalem. If you have considered yourself to be a part of the family of God, this is how this family gets down. <laughs> and so something that we all keep in mind is when I give generously, it perpetuates that kingdom culture of giving generously. Keep moving. But I'm sending these brothers to be sure you really are ready. (laughs) That's the next verse. Um, As I have been telling them that your money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. We would be embarrassed. Okay, wait. (laughs) So go to that that portion of scripture for me. It's verse 4 says, we would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment. If some Macedonian believers came with me and found that you weren't ready after all, I had told them. So we, gotta remi- we have to remind ourselves, this is a letter, <laughs> right? Some of us read that and we're like, we get lost in what that is. That's like, I have been bragging about how, about how generous unison is. Like, okay, listen, Church in Namibia, we got it. We got it for y'all. We going to make sure that you get all the wells you need, (laughs) right? And then, like, and then I need to make sure I send a quick text (laughs) to everybody. Make sure y'all got everything that you need because I just told Macedonia, you know, I just told Namibia that we good for it. Right? That's actually what's happening. I love pointing out the humanness in Scripture. Paul is covering his self and them <laughs> by saying, make sure y'all actually have that ready because I don't want us embarrassed out here. Okay, You're going to have me embarrassed. So um, that's verse 4. Verse 5, so I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one giving grudgingly. If I had a paper bible I would underline that last line there. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one giving grudgingly. If you have been walking with Jesus for more than 5 minutes, you have done some grudging giving. <laughs> I mean that's okay. Most of us if we have especially those of us who are over 35 much of what we've heard about giving is much more connected to rules than it is a culture of generosity. And that's okay. So, sincerely, the first time we start giving, it's all grudging. (laughs) Like, here we go. Okay. All right. I trust you. (laughs) Right? Like, that's how it feels at the beginning. And a part of it is that we're developing a discipline, and then somebody would tell you, no discipline feels good at the beginning, right? It all feels bad, so just keep doing it. You'll start feeling good after a while. And that's not a lie. It's not untrue. But I think it's also okay for us, especially because Paul points it out, it's okay for us to also point it out too. For many of us, when we first started learning the concept of giving, not just to church, in general... We did so because somebody told us it was a rule to follow. And we were like, I don't want to go to hell, so yeah. <laughs> and Paul is immediately pointing to saying, that's not what we, that's not actually the heart behind this. That's not the heart behind this. There is such tension in giving in our culture, but there was also tension here too. And even within the kingdom of God, within the culture of the church, we have tension because it is a discipline and it is supposed to just flow out of just who we are. He reminds them of something. He says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And some of us have heard that enough times, like, in you, like, you, somebody told you, put your seed in the ground, right? <laughs> and reap a harvest, right? Like, they told you, you got a hundred dollar seed. <laughs> some of you, got. I know somebody in here got a five hundred dollar seed. Listen, I listen, you've been there. <laughs> That's not what he's talking about. (laughs) That's not what Paul is saying. It's okay for us to, we have to actually live in the tension of this if we're actually going to do this well. The tension of this is found in Proverbs. Proverbs. Uh, There's a number of portions of Scripture. If you have a Bible that has any like cross-references, or if you have a study Bible at all, or if you quick do a Google search of Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 through 25, they'll give you cross-references which you can follow, and you can see this pattern lived out all through Proverbs. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will be Refreshed. The tension that we have is there have been people who have used that in a way that has been abusive. It's okay. It's okay for us to know that and say it out loud. A part of how we live outside of it is just pointing to it. Like, right, I'm not a person who does elephants in a room well. I asked Christine, like, <laughs> if there's an elephant in the room, like, I kept keep looking at it, like... <laughs> like. My eyes just keep going toward it like, we're not going to talk about it. Okay, it's right there, fam. Like, I don't do well, have zero poker face, so here we go. We're going to talk about it. This, is, this has been used to abuse the church for the benefit of leaders, sometimes even with good intentions in mind. We need to get wells in Namibia. (laughs) If you give, God will give to you. Right? But that's not actually what Proverbs is saying. I know, like, wait, that seems really clear. That's not the point of Proverbs. We don't give to receive, but there is a kingdom principle at play that supersedes our motivation. That kingdom principle is that God actually does provide for us. He absolutely does give so that we can continue this pattern of generosity. That is a kingdom principle. It, so I, I love saying this. If I put my sprinkler out in the front yard, the grass that the water hit is going to be green regardless of why I put it out there. If I put it out there so the kids can run around in it, it's still going to be green. If I put it out there because I was trying to grow the grass, it's going to be green. That's just something that God made up. Our motivations become the problem, not the outcome. So some of us become so motivated by, God said, if I give, then I'm going to be wealthy, that we forget that the heart behind any reason he would give is so that we can be generous with it. The heart behind it is it's so that you get what you want. There is, this is not stock for the kingdom of God, right? Like you're not making an investment. <laughs> That's not how this works. There's no R-O-I on your tithe. <laughs> That's not how it works. The best way to actually think about that is that it's a gold star. <laughs> like. Those of you who have had young children or been around young children, gold stars in elementary school are that deal. Okay? Listen, because gold stars build up toward blow pops. Okay? If I get enough gold stars, I'll get to go shop in the teacher's store. In truth, if we were to actually survey all the portions of Scripture that have this kingdom principle, that as I'm generous, then God provides for me to be generous more, it's more like positive reinforcement for a behavior that, is, that we want to see in the kingdom of God. That really is what that is. That really is the best way to say it. It's not a reward It's not your payment. It's not that I owe you something. So, oh, so like you gave me a loan, so I'm about to. There's even portions of scripture that actually use that word, right? There's a portion of scripture that says that if you give to those who are in need, you lend to the Lord and he will repay. That's not the heart behind it. We take a very capitalistic way of thinking into scripture, and the Bible is not a capitalistic economic system. It is a kingdom system that says by default we are generous people. So whether I have $5 or 5 billion, we are generous people. And my generosity is not determined by how much I have. My generosity is determined by how infinitely generous God is. Right? That is the point behind all portions of Scripture as it relates to giving. There is a kingdom principle that says, as you trust me, gold star. I know you live in a world that will tell you that you don't have have enough. You have to make sure that you hoard or keep on running after wealth. But as you trust me, gold star, I will show you. I will provide for you not reward you for doing what I told you in that way. I will show you, I will provide for you because I also intend that every time I give that you also are participating with what is who I am. This is God speaking, who I am. I am generous. So all of my kids need to be too. (laughs) Right? So let's keep moving. That's why he can say this, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a cheerful giver, one who gives cheerfully. I said the NIV version. (laughs) For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. We talk about that every single time we do, we, we intro tithe and offering, that portion of scripture gets brought up. This is the fuller context of that. I am convinced that we do have to, at some point, get into the discipline of giving, and the first time of that, we feel the pain of it. Whether it's a, whether it's a grudging pain or it is a sacrificial pain, it's determined by how it was taught to us, right? Those of us who were taught we have to do this because this is what God says, and if we don't do it, then God's going to be mad at us, ultimately. Then we tend to come at it with some anxiety. If for those of us who are taught we give because God has been sacrificially generous with us, that is just who we are. Just as much as we are a people who speak English with one another, we are a people who are generous with one another. Just as much as we are a people who gather on Sunday to worship, we are a people who are generous. These are elements of who we are. And just as much as I would not question whether or not I should pray, I don't have to question whether or not I need to be generous. That's just who we are. So When we get down to it, God has always cared about the heart posture of the offering more than the offering itself. Always. Even when you look in the Old Testament, he's like, do not bring me bulls and calves if you got issues with your sisters and brothers. I don't even want that. If you, are, if you refuse to take care of widows and orphans, then you can keep your hamburger because don't, we don't need that here. He's more concerned about the heart posture of the giver than the gift itself. So when Paul says, decide in your own heart what to give, don't do so out of pressure, don't do so out of impulse, but do so in a way that you can give cheerfully, God cares less about 10% than he does about you being able to do so with joy in the process. And here's what I absolutely believe because I've seen him do it in my life, in the lives of others. When we start off at a place where I can give joyfully, then I actually anticipate, I get excited about giving more joyfully. And I get excited about giving more. Because I also see this pattern of when I give, God's like, oh, well, here's some more to give with. You guys, oh, here's some more to give with. And my 2% turns into 10, which turns into 15, which turns into 20, which turns into me giving people my shoes, which turns into people giving people cars, which turns into giving people coats, which turns into giving people stuff, and it has nothing to do with how much I make anymore. Generosity is who we are. Christine don't like that I gave away shoes, y'all. <laughs> That's why she's back there laughing. But listen, she bought me some shoes, and they were fly. But we were giving shoes to people who didn't have shoes. <laughs> and I thought to myself, somebody needs a size 16 <laughs> somewhere, <laughs> right? This is who we are. And she's been able to buy me other shoes, too. <laughs> right? so I can give them away. No. No. Okay. This is who we are. This is who we are. I am not limited by the world's economy. I am not limited by the career that I have. Yeah, there are boundaries. I get that. But boundaries aren't the same thing as limitations. If I am in intimate relationship with a limitless God, then I don't have to be concerned if the spirit of generosity is going to cause me to go bankrupt. That's not how the kingdom of God works. I'm not saying the same thing as if I'm connected to a limitless God, I can go buy whatever I want that's not the same. That's not a kingdom principle. That's something you made up. (laughs) That's not the same thing. That's just not. There is a kingdom principle at work here. I can decide, God, this week, I feel like I just want to give you 75% and just see what you do. Oh, you know what, Lord? This week, I'm gonna do this much. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, and if you you put a percent to it, some of us we don't really need to put a percent to it. I know that's that's tearing some of us up inside because my whole life is like, I gotta do ten, I gotta do ten, I gotta do ten. That is not Christ's rule about giving. Christ's rule about giving is sacrificial generosity. If 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 we have to put a percent to it and 5% causes you to feel the sacrifice, good. Give generously. But here's the challenge. Some of us will get so comfortable and stop at 10% and it's no longer sacrificial. It's a tip for Jesus' sacrificial work in your life. Right? That's really what it is. That's really. That's honestly. That's what it is. And some of us even do that when we get that check at a restaurant. Fifteen percent. I don't even give God that much. <laughs> some of you said it. Some of you said it. I know some. Of, some of you already said it. I know. It's like fifteen percent. Ten percent. You ain't getting more to Jesus. No. <laughs> the heart of the kingdom of God is not based upon a percentage. And some of us have also heard that to be used in an abusive way. So give more than 10%. I'm saying what Paul said. Decide in your heart what to give. Decide in your heart what to give. And here's what I believe wholeheartedly. I truly, truly believe this. When we as a church family, when we have that kind of mindset, when we all believe That if I decide in my heart what to give, God loves that cheerful space and does more than what we can imagine with that. But if I, as a church leader, say, decide in your heart what to give above (laughs) a certain percentage because we are tight, then I'm the one living in that space of fear that God won't provide Unison is also connected to a God of intimate or of infinite wealth and resources. God does not need our money; He uses our money, and ultimately, it is a part of our engagement with God and in part of our engagement with the culture of the kingdom of God. Not because listen, if God raises people from the dead, He can keep the lights on. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right it's not about that it's not about that but it is about us living out what the culture of the kingdom of God is and when we do we'll see here in a minute what happens and God will generously provide all you need um, I want to make sure that I, that you have the, the and because that conjunction is important and, a bi- and bi- biblical conjunctions are important because they, just like any other conjunction, they talk about what's happening before and what's happening after. The and isn't to say and then, because if Paul wanted to say and then, he would have said and then, because he actually says then later. Paul is not saying after you give, God will provide all you need. It's, a, it's like a two, four, it's like a, it's like a sandwich. It's meat and bread. If you don't have meat and bread, it's just meat or bread. We give generously and God will provide all our needs. It's, that's a, that's a, that's just, they just go together. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. (laughs) As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Some of us, will stop right at harvest. (laughs) It's a harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. (laughs) And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Boom. That, when we take your gift to those who need them, they will thank God. A part of why we are a culture of generous people is because that generosity points to God. Everything we do needs to point to God. Everything we do needs to point to God. It doesn't need to point to how much we make. It doesn't need to point to how much I sacrificed. It doesn't need to point to how cool we are that we do these things for churches all over. It needs to point to God. And that's what happens when we live in a culture of generosity is that when the people receive it, they will thank God. Yes. So two things will result from the ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will provide, excuse me, will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ, the gospel of Christ which in and of itself is a sacrificial generous gift, sacrificially generous gift. And then, excuse me, and they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift too wonderful for words. Fam, I told you I come to the idea of talking about giving with some anxious feeling some anxiety because of how we've talked about giving, but Scripture is actually super clear about what giving looks like in the kingdom of God. It is. If we come to it with this idea that there's not enough to go around, if we come to it with this idea that there's not enough to go around, I will put a ceiling on how good God is And if my ceiling on how good God is, is here, then I only have a little bit of room to live out that generous culture of the kingdom of God. But if there is no ceiling, if there is no ceiling, then I can be generous and say, God, I trust you. Chase, are you saying that we should just all like give away all of our checks? Nope, I'm saying you should decide in your heart (laughs) what to give because that's the rule. Decide in your heart what to give. And do so with two things in mind. We are a generous people. The church, Christians, people who follow Jesus are a generous people. And when we live out of that culture, the people who are recipients of that generosity, thank God. That, that has to be where our hearts are pointed toward. That has to be where our heart is. It can't be that if I, I got, now that I'm on this road of generosity, I have to keep giving or God's going to stop blessing me. No. That's a whole nother kind of fear that we're not supposed to operate in giving. Like, I'm really hoping for this new house, so let me just give a little bit more, because if I give a little bit more, then, ha! <laughs> no. No, that's not a thing. That's not a thing. But also living in the tension of those of us who not master the skill of giving, embrace the culture of generosity. We're refreshing others and we are refreshed. That's actually why the title of the sermon is Refreshed. The whole point of this culture is that it's this cyclical thing. God gives, we give. God gives, we give. God gives, we give. God gives. And he started the giving, so until he stops giving, <laughs> right, we keep giving. The moment he stops, then we can. And I think that's okay. Like, set that as your rule. Listen, listen, The moment God stops giving, (laughs) then you do. It's like, well, what does that mean if I lose my job? Well, if the Lord keeps providing you some food, then make sure somebody who doesn't have food gets some. (laughs) Right? If the Lord keeps providing you clothes, then make sure somebody who doesn't have some gets some. That's who we are. So let's pray. Father, because you are a generous God, You are a generous being, and you have adopted us into your family and given us your culture. We, too, are to be generous beings. Lord, there are real-life barriers that keep us from being generous. God, some of us, we have grown up in a society that has told us that we have to get and keep. Help us to shed that pattern of this world. Sanctify us not into being foolish, but sanctify us into being generous people. Give us a heart to be generous as you are generous, and our hands will follow. Give us a heart to be sacrificially generous, and our checkbooks will follow that. Our closets will follow that. Our pantries will follow that. Ultimately, we want to live as you live. Because when we live as you live, then the people will thank you. Humanity will see you. And that is far more of a reward and gold star than anything that we can get financially. May you be glorified, God, in how we give we trust you. Lord, where, Lord, that fear exists in us, cleanse us from that. And give us grace to baby step trusting, even if that means we start with just deciding a small amount and decide a little more and decide a little more and then go back because we need to side a little less and give us a dynamic listening to you so that we can do so joyfully. In Jesus' name, amen.